Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for this podcast today. We are going to be talking about flexible working and the things that we have to consider when we are trying to produce a remote first culture for our people. There are a few things we're going to be talking about today, but before we jump in, I just want to introduce myself and my colleague Karthika, who's here on the call with us as well. So myself, I am a people manager at Switchy at the moment. Um, I am really motivated uh, person in the people field. I have experience in tech scale-up startups, managing all levels of large-scale recruitment, onboarding, learning and development, employee engagement and experience, as well as employer branding projects. My overall passion though lies with employee experience and happiness and I try and achieve that by positively influencing and growing the culture in the company that I work for. My education is in psychology and transformational coaching that really helps me work with people. Let me pass you on to my colleague Kartika here who will introduce herself. Hi guys, so I don't know if I can beat that. Um, <laughs> so. My name is Karthika. I am a head of people at Integrate. Well, I was, I'm currently in between jobs. I was made redundant, unfortunately, but um, I am consulting. So if anyone needs any help, um, I'm always available. Um, my passions are to um, tie in people processes, um, work with SMEs, um, small sort of startups to scale ups, um, grow them through process, um, putting in their agile workforce um, and really building a foundational culture um, and foundational processes um, to, to scale really. Um, and, and that's kind of what I do. Um, and I really enjoy, enjoy that kind of stuff. So yeah, if, if anyone you know, out there wants to, wants to ring me up for some consulting work or even a job, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a great time to connect with you guys. We are online. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. So, I mean, I, I, I'm going to start off maybe um, with the HR news and updates um, regarding sort of remote working. Um, and we're going to do a bit on EU against um, Brexit update as well. Obviously, we've had uh, the people requirement for working from home from the government. Um, obviously, Boris Johnson has come out to the UK government, not with a lot of uh, requirements for the office, uh, mostly around health and safety. There are some other considerations to take into account, though, um, such as local lockdown considerations, where do your empl employees live, um, is your workforce flexible enough? Um, if a local lockdown was to happen for a certain employee, how would you fix that? Um, and yeah, we, you know, we need to think probably a bit outside of just the guidelines. And we actually did a webinar not so long ago, me, me and you, didn't we? So um, we were actually talking about the government guidelines in the beginning of that webinar. And if you haven't 
um, caught that already, um, go, do go check it out. This is like a continuation uh, of that as well. So um, the second part was, um, the second bit of update is LinkedIn did a working index report. Um, LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, I know. did you catch that, the LinkedIn working report? It was actually really good. Um, so yeah, they did, they did a bit of a pulse survey. Um, and basically, if you haven't done a pulse survey, you can just look on LinkedIn. It's pretty, uh, pretty good. Um, probably like everyone else's survey um really so what everyone else would would say is that they want to go into a hybrid working so some people do want want to come in um and some people don't or they would like to do both and have the option of more of a flexible working style and pattern so you know it, it's a really good time for that so yeah if you haven't checked out the survey you know definitely do um because if you haven't done a pulse it's easiest to take it from linkedin right because it's good sources um and then yeah you have an update right yeah i just wanted to you know chat to you guys about you know what's happening if we are uh talking about this remote first culture we we might find ourselves in a position where our people in particular in my experience uh eu citizens or people with the eu european citizenship who are residing currently in uk here with us they might just, you know, consider moving back for whatever reasons. And, you know, when we're talking about uh, this pandemic and, and we're talking about all these anxieties of being away from our families, it is, it is really natural for people to kind of try to get back together into, into that family loop and support each other through this. So with us kind of thinking about remote first culture with us being able to open that door to remote first working we might find ourselves in a position where our um our europe friends are going like oh maybe i should move back uh to italy or maybe i should move back to france um, so just something to consider there because it really did come up for myself. It did come up for a few people we spoke to in our previous webinar. Um, people who are currently in UK, you know, it's, it's great. But as we're all aware, uh, that that sort of fun uh, is gonna <laughs> that fun and jiggles are gonna stop after the first of January 2021 because that's when our transition period stops. So it is just important to be aware and check with your people. Do they have uh, any sort of settled status at the moment that they have applied for? You can go ahead and just check in with them and see if they have it or not. Um, just to give them a peace of mind because actually something that happened with us was that people were thinking oh it's it's all going to be absolutely fine i'm just going to go back to that european country and i'm just going to you know keep keep living there and, and working for you guys from there but then after researching it for a bit we actually found out that if you stay in that country uh which is outside the uk right for more than two years your settled status uh which is you know 
it kind of equates to that indefinite leave to remain for people at the moment, that settled status is actually going to expire. So this is just something to consider. Do watch out what kind of visa situation, what kind of right to work residency situation, um, your your people who are holding EU passports have currently in UK. And then when they do move, just make sure you support them. Um, you know, obviously we're not all immigration lawyers, uh, but there's still some stuff we can look up for them and just give them a peace of mind um, just to, you know, be sure that we're not stepping into the dark completely and also leaving them in the dark about what's going to happen to their statuses here in UK. Yeah, that, that's actually the worst. Um, just not knowing if you're if you can stay or not stay and um, and yeah, doing that as early as possible. Um, you know, trying uh, even getting an email out even now, because obviously, I, I, I guess um, because of COVID, they've extended a lot of this, but um, just to be be ahead on all of these things as well. Mm -hmm. um, so the last thing we had that was incredible that update but the last thing we had was a daily mail article so we have a daily mail article which are always the best and i love this title and it was like workers resentful of their colleagues working from home hr staff say um Ooh, great title um so just to give you a quick update and summary on this, it was basically said almost five in six office employees are still staying at home despite the government's drive to get staff to return to their workplaces. But obviously that one, um, one in six is um, kind of resentful, basically, of, you know, kind of jealous, like, oh, you guys get to stay at home and we don't. Um, that was naturally going to happen, though, um, you know, unless you really love going into the office and some people really do like it and they don't really mind. Um, but yeah, for a lot of people, cause and resent. Um, so that kind of follows into from that amazing article follows into exactly what we want to talk about, which is the best way to combat sort of the future and the remodeling um, with a lot of companies have said in the article, you can see it um, with companies saying, not now, um, we're only going back next year. And some companies have, are pushing for a now or it's never going to happen and we're going to go into dire situation kind of mode. Um, so a little bit of a panic button was hit there. So mm -hmm. yeah, so we're, that's what we're really going to be talking about. And I think um, before we probably get get into you know what is like remote working um i just wanted to sort of give you an indication of what remote working actually is and what flexible working actually is and like a little bit of a definition before we get into it um because i think that that's probably really important because you know um we we use these two terms quite on and off in in this whole thing so um so remote, remote working is a type of flexible working um, and flexible working, all it means is um, working sort of maybe outside of your normal working pattern. It's a way to that work that suits an employee's needs. 
Um, if you're in an office, your sort of flexible working could mean sort of compressed hours, um, you know, or longer days or shorter days, um, depending on the person. Um, you know, some people love the flexi time, which means um, people have put in policies for core hours and then you can be flexible on uh, before or after those set hours. And then have you ever heard of this? Um, I had this in one of my workplaces, but it's called annualized hours. Mm, very interesting concept. So how did your workplace do that? So uh, annualized hours were uh, just a number of hours for the entire year. Um, it's not set when you work and when you choose to work. It's just totally up to you when you work. Um, it is very interesting. I'm going to go and set up my alarm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you could do 40 hours on the weekend, like, for instance, like, you know, you can work on the weekend versus on Monday, Tuesday. But um, really, annualized hours were... Uh, you know it was a nightmare if you were in a team or you needed to go to team meetings but they did expect you um in team meetings so there was a little bit of a policy around annualized hours too mm -hmm. um but remote working is a type of flexible working which means it only means you're not commuting into an office right mm -hmm. um and remote working means working from anywhere but we're going to talk about parameters right so <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We're get and into I think that. it's uh, it's also kind of another thing that we have set up in my company at the moment, which is literally both. It is remote working. I mean, for the for the purpose of us obviously being in lockdown and feeling much safer in our own apartments, um, but also it's kind of combining that remote working with flexible working. So uh, that's just sort of another thing that is very confusing <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that at the moment yes we're all working remotely but also within that working remotely there are still companies that uh, or there are still rules um, present in places where you have to stick to those core hours um, full stop so it's just also important to note uh, for yourself what kind of um, you know flexible working remote working policy you have in place whether it combines the two or whether it still remains your core hours and you're just working remotely those core hours yeah or you might want to put some annualized hours in i don't know up to you guys <laughs> <laughs> and um the last bit just because i know maybe employees um are listening in and they aren't hr professionals but um if you're an employee um you do have the right by law to ask your employer to work flexibly. And as I mentioned, flexibly means um, a different working pattern um, to, to what is there in your policies and your contract. Um, you are allowed to, by law, to ask um, your employer for that. Um, and if you, if you don't know the guide and processes, obviously check out um, gov.uk, always a good resource. Mm -hmm. um, although, you know, the only thing I will say is your employer has a process and procedure and policies in place um, for when you do ask. Um, so check out maybe your employer handbook. If you don't have one, ask your, your HR. Um, but your employer can turn your request down. So, but unlikely, right? You know, we're all going into this 
sort of new flexible working and I think it's really unlikely that that's going to happen but. yeah yeah I mean it's sometimes you know it really it really depends on uh, multiple things it's your culture but it is also the workload that your company is dealing with at the moment I think there's just so many factors that may impact their decision but you know the the possibility of asking is there yeah and you should if you if you have to you should um for sure i think people forget that i know um i know in our workplace you know the handbook was there and it was all written out in the in the handbook but you know unless someone told you about it there wasn't going to be times you were going to look out for that kind of stuff yeah yeah you know sometimes just handbook is not the most sexiest document to go ahead and try search for and find <laughs> and then read through so it's it's definitely important to just sort of remind people that we're all human from time to time yeah absolutely absolutely and um yeah and uh, on to you because we we are we were doing this because of our webinar we didn't mm -hmm. answer any all those questions i guess Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. You guys, we we had um, quite a few people attending the webinar and they prepared some questions for us in advance. But this subject is just so vast and we could talk about it for many more podcasts to come. But this particular one we decided to go ahead with just because we had such really cool questions that were asked and we and we didn't have enough time to cover them off. So I'll just jump straight in, right? We, we want to get those answers. So <laughs> the one question we had uh, was, do we think that a business leader feels obliged or has to feel obliged to be visible or, or leading by example, regardless of location that is deemed inspirational? What a beautiful, first of all, Good what a beautiful question. <laughs> it's just absolutely blowing my mind and it makes me inspired to go ahead and answer it. But let's like kind of break it down into two things. We are obviously having here a visibility aspect of it. We also have here the location aspect of it. Right. So, um, being remote at the moment, that kind of location aspect of it, uh, you know, could relate to the fact if your leader is in the office with you, does that make you more inspired? Um, versus mm -hmm. when you're all working remotely, uh, just the visibility of your leader or your leadership team to you on sort of regular basis, uh, does that make you inspired? So. Personally, I need to see my leaders uh, as I personally do get inspired and, and motivated by them. But, you know, it's, it's just me. Uh, I did find that throughout my career, I just got so lucky to be around leaders who were visible no matter where we all were. Right. And, and so that was virtually as well, just to clarify as well. So 
Yeah, so I mean, what's important is that like at the very beginning in my career, I had my CEO who was working from Dubai quite often. We had our uh, other co-founder CTO who was working in Amsterdam quite often, but they were just always visible. They were, they were always present no matter that we were in London and they were in other countries. Um, wow. So I just feel like it's kind of, I was just lucky to get that experience um, and, and, and I think that it's also really depends on the personality of your leader. Uh, you know, s- uh, some of them are a bit of a Moby Dick where uh, they are a fairy, t- fairy tale creature coming in and out sometimes, but yeah. some of them are very visible. I feel at this point in time, uh, it is important to be there. Mm. No, no matter if it is physical or virtual, it's that being there and being there is visibility. I think it's about motivating people. It's about bringing them together. Um, And this can just be achieved by this meaningful and regular communication, for example. Uh, We're all remote for now and we just do do not get the many visual everyday cues that we used to from each other yeah like in the the coffee machine you'd see your ceo or you would see your a leader and you'd be like hi Yeah. yeah exactly you know i would sort of go ahead meet by the coffee machine with my ceo say wow nice shirt and like would giggle so right so i'd get my little feel of feeling comfortable so it's kind of instead of just um that calm smile on your CEO's face that yeah. would indicate to us all that we're all fine. That's missing right now. We can't see it yeah. today right now. So we need something extra. And I think having your leadership team, you know, there to provide updates, maybe be present on huddles once a week, maybe be leading all hands. is just a great way to keep your team reassured and motivated. Yeah, hundred uh, like a hundred percent. Like I, I think just to add, like I know in startups and scaleups, leaders are probably pushing, um, and smaller companies are probably pushing to be in a physical office. Um, you know, leading by how we would say leading by example and being in the office. I mean, to your point, I've had leaders. In, in the past um, who have who have always been in the office um, and they were never so so flexible um, mm. and that obviously makes you feel like you can't be flexible because they're leading by example like you're taking the example of having to come in all the time um, but it was causing a lot of a lot of burnout because I was traveling you know a good two hours a day to get to work and I was like wow um, this is causing me a lot of burnout this is stuff I could do at home but my leader is physically there all the time and I think a lot of leaders will especially in a startup it's always a go 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 environment um, where they want to see everyone sort of working want to sort of monitor that but I think that borderlines management versus being a good leader Mm -hmm. right um so I think leaders need to start to evolve too and understand leadership is not micromanaging your workforce it's hiring the right people Mm -hmm. um 
to do the right things at the right time. And um, it shouldn't be an obligation to be seen or not, um, in my eyes. That's, that's what makes sort of great leaders. And, and exactly, seeing leaders being flexible can be really encouraging, I think, to a workforce um, in empowering and showing that the work can be done. If a leader is, a, is adapting at this time and showing adaptability, um, and still with, with all of your points, being communicative, um, running the town halls, um, you know, communicating the best they can um, and being transparent at this time can show a real sense of adaptability and leadership that the whole workforce will be encouraged by. Mm -hmm. um, and it is really how you lead, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're at. Absolutely. So I feel like, you know, we we certainly have thrown some ideas at you guys here, and uh, you you can you can take that away and talk to your CEO, <laughs> talk to your leadership team. Uh, but you know, just sort of from our experience, we have run an engagement survey recently where mm -hmm. our people actually have requested to see more updates um so one thing that we literally have done you know it, it was so easy to organize and just you know just an afternoon you know <laughs> we, we've created this process where now we're going to do these quarterly retros and we're going to have a presentation that you know every member uh, of the senior leadership team is going to have a slide to themselves and they're going to just walk us through what are the different things and updates they have on their side yeah. and that is just something that was really easy to organize but it really spoke to also what our people wanted so i think if you do feel like you have some sort of engagement decline at the moment uh, for your team events, maybe, or for your all hand events, uh, then do, do consider just running uh, that survey. Do consider asking people what they're lacking, what they're missing, because you might actually find that it's the most trivial thing. It's just visibility communication updates um you know that that basically is the, the virtue of re that remote working communication yeah. and like as as you were saying just to add with that is um simple things like you said easy to arrange open mic calls so in instead of town halls where leaders um are, are talking away to actually give um employees the opportunity to use that time as well to talk mm -hmm. about projects um that they're leading um as well give employees some responsibilities in this time and that that's also a level of leadership that you need need to be providing um as well uh to make people feel recognized um for the projects that they're doing so open mic calls can be really cool um town halls um but you know at, at this time i think leaders have really big decisions to make right so um, this isn't a time that leaders have ever seen before. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, you and I haven't seen this before. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, someone with, as I said on the last webinar, you know, someone with 20 years more experience than us hasn't seen this before. So, you know, we're all in this boat together and leaders especially are in this boat of making really difficult decisions. Um, you know, a lot of 
leaders are having to make restructuring decisions. Um, a lot of leaders are having to make very intricate decisions about how their team are starting to work or, you know, is, is, is everyone being productive? Like, you know, how do we do that and um, have a really difficult time at the moment is what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think you're right. And talking about these difficult decisions, you know, you are going to, uh, whatever, whatever decision you're making, you also have to remember that you have some commercial aspect of your of your organization and uh, and one other question that we had that we didn't have time to answer on our webinar was exactly about that suspected commercial value of face-to-face -face meetings and building report in person with your potential clients so people were asking you know does a virtual substitute carry as much weight and gravitas as uh, those face-to-face -face meetings if you think about it even before lockdown you would have maybe lms uh, platform that you wanted to implement and uh, and maybe that platform uh, was in a company that was based in california they had to sell this to you virtually and you did buy it so what was it that made it happen and i think it all comes to product <laughs> absolutely it all comes to product but you know but it also comes to that ability uh, to that skill almost the skill set you know and i think perhaps if we are not seeing successful virtual commercial meetings happening maybe we need to just look at finding out ways that would either showcase our product better online or ways to upskill our our workforce to ensure that you know the virtual reality of things is not a blocker to their ability to sell or build long-term relationships with customers because we've seen that being done by other companies it's maybe our turn now to learn how they used to do this yeah it, it's so it's so true like the customer service side of things it's not just about a product, right? When you buy a product, you want want the care afterwards. You want to know that virtually you can be supported. Um, customer support is important when when you have a product. Um, and if you don't have those things, like half the time, you wouldn't buy virtually. People, of course, being human, crave interaction. Many will want to see sort of that face-to-face -face meetings, um, and they believe that's the best for interaction. But do we still believe that's the only way of interaction? Like we've had really successful meetings over Zoom and I felt that person was in the room, mm -hmm. right? They're not actually there, they're, they're in a meeting, but it, you know, like there's still nowhere to go. Like even if you were in a meeting physically, there's nowhere to go when you're in a meeting virtually on zoom there's nowhere to go <laughs> you know you can't really hide um anywhere and I, I i haven't felt like that has been a huge um implication but when selling products are your empl employees who are selling those products happy are they engaged and happy to like because if you're a company that doesn't offer maybe 
flexible working, um, then you're not benefiting everyone. You're not truly inclusive, right? So then your employees see that, then they might not be able to sell. And when your employees see an environment where they, everyone is included, you have a flexible working lifestyle, um, you have a work-life balance, um, because obviously things like sales, customer support can be very um, non-work-life balance. It's, uh, it's a, and it's an emotional job. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you have to hit your KPIs, you have to hit your targets. I mean, there's a lot of emotion that drive, drives that. But, um, you know, if, if your employee is well-rested, they are happy, they feel that the work environment is inclusive, creative, um, you know, you're, they're happy that you're offering a flexible working, they'll probably be more happy to sell your product and they'll do a good job selling it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it kind of comes back to two, two things, right? Offer the good product, obviously, if you're offering a good product, it's going to sell. Offer great customer support and keep your, like, keep everyone happy. Right. Definitely. I think it's, you know, spot on. Um, one final thing that I just want to say, you know, before we conclude this, this podcast uh, for you guys, it's that how do we conquer going remote first correctly with our people at heart? Because that speaks exactly to the previous point. How do we make sure that our people are happy because we all know that, you know, motivated, engaged, happy people represent a much more productive workforce. So how do we go remote first or flexible first, whatever first, with our people at heart? And we really have to think about that, about going remote, remote and taking these right steps um, in a format that would be most inclusive. There are so many examples of companies who are having pushbacks. My friends, uh, you know, at a company who could not be named, uh, told me that when their guys found out that they're considering uh, that their company is considering to be fully remote, more than twenty employees wrote angrily uh, and said that they will resign if that wow. would be the case. And you know, of course, it probably doesn't mean that they're all going to do it. Perhaps it was just a moment of passion, but leave that aside. This goes both ways. I, I spoke to another uh, fellow colleague uh, of mine who is at the moment looking after a company in a people capacity as well. And this company is actually planning to return back into the office. And that has caused a rebellion of its own kind <laughs> as well. So I just think that when we do do these things, we have to really achieve the balance and to be as inclusive in our decision as possible. What can help you is to talk to people, uh, ask people what they want, try and cater for what they're asking because um, rebellions of any kind are not helpful for your company's reputation. They're not helpful for your you know that employer brand it's the word of mouth but yeah. also when you are 
um, and this is, you know, this is like a thing that I keep very close to heart when I work on employee experience is that the stuff or the way that your company, you know, does things, it doesn't affect one employee. It affects that family's employee, like that employee's family, which could be another four or five people, you know, and that, you know, if they're going home unhappy, if they're staying home unhappy, in fact, uh, that is going to affect their whole family. And, you know, and, and it's just when you're really looking after people, you need to think about the extent to which that spreads yeah. and having, you know, some, some good compassionate policies. <laughs> is what is gonna empower your people to do to do their best. Oh, 100%, like I couldn't agree more. It is about every individual is so different, right? So you don't wanna cause a rebellion by giving someone what they want and then everyone wants that as well. You don't <laughs> want, to, um, you know, like a domino effect really. Um, and in all honesty, I think um, to your point, to keep people at heart, I think it's really important to also take metrics. Most importantly, if you're going to be remote um, for the first time and you're going fully remote and you believe this is the best decision, take your metrics first before you um, think that that's a good decision. Maybe do a trial run, mm. you know, trial runs are great because you can say, well, this is a trial. It can be reversed. Mm -hmm. um, and we are just going to be monitoring everyone's happiness, um, everyone's um, setups. We're going to be monitoring um, all of these aspects um, that we will take measurable metrics in. Um, and I think when you have measurable metrics, those are what keeps people at heart because you care about the, the wider people front, right? So it's not just one person, but it is everyone is included in that metric and um it really gives you an as an organization lots of insights um and i can't i can't tell you how important people analytics are um when trying to change or transform the workplace absolutely listen to your people guys don't assume you right. know the answer uh don't, don't assume assume your leadership <laughs> team knows the answer either yeah, leaders, please don't assume that, you know, um, even if you have your personal agenda of wanting to go into the office for a certain reason, um, why not do a little trial run to see how productive people are um, either in or out of the office? Um, so you can do a real good comparison of that um, before you offer, offer out anything um, that is too permanent. Absolutely. All right, guys, we really, really enjoyed chatting with all of you. So we've covered, you know, so much hopeful stuff. Hopefully uh, we touched a little bit on the news. We talked a little bit more of what flexible remote working actually means. You know, we talked about whether our leadership has to be visible 24 seven or not, whether our, you know, suspected commercial value of face-to-face -face increases or decreases. Um, and also how to actually go remote first or remote last correctly. Um, it's been, you know, blast. And really it's been a pleasure, really. <laughs> really enjoyed it. 
uh, I think even I learned something, and you know, I was I was sort of writing my own stuff, but even I learned something else today. So I hope you guys all enjoyed it, and um, you know, do watch out for more content as we keep our collab going here with Kartika. <laughs> yeah, I, I I honestly enjoy this. This is really fun for us, and we just want to keep you guys entertained, give you some news, um, give you all the updates, and. Try and answer all the lovely um, questions that you guys have because they're really, really great questions. My God, these are some like these questions make me think about you know what I have to be doing. So it's always pretty deep. So please, you know, leave a comment below <laughs> and uh, sort of tell us tell us what you think. Tell us what other questions you have, and we can try and include them in the next follow up discussions. Yeah, and if we don't know it, we'll find an expert that does and we will try and answer it. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you all. Thank you, Karthika. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.